And now a word from GSK. Respiratory syncytial virus, better known as RSV, has been in the news a lot lately, and RSV season is fast approaching. RSV infection can put older adults at risk, including those with certain underlying conditions. But vaccination with RxV, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine, adjuvanted, can protect adults aged 60 years and older. RxV is a vaccine used to prevent lower respiratory disease from RSV in people 60 years and older. Arexvi is proven through a clinical study to be over 82% effective in preventing lower respiratory disease from RSV and over 94% effective in those with asthma, diabetes, COPD, chronic heart failure, advanced liver or kidney disease, or any chronic respiratory or pulmonary disease. Arexvi does not protect everyone and is not for those with severe allergic reactions to its ingredients. Those with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most common side effects are injection site pain, fatigue, muscle pain, headache, and joint pain. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist to see if Orexvi is right for you and learn more by calling 888-Orexvi9 or by visiting orexvi.com. That's A-R-E-X-V-Y dot com. RSV? Make it Orexvi. Um, what's RSV? What is RSV indeed? Um, RSV, uh, respiratory syncytial virus. To a lot of us, it's just a nasty cold. A nasty cold and a weird name, right? Syncytial. 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 It's not that hard if you don't look at the word. Respiratory syncytial virus is super common. We've all had it. Sometimes we don't even know we have it. But it can make babies and the elderly really, really sick. Researchers struggled for decades to develop vaccines for RSV. And as of this year, we finally have them. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and you're listening to Incubation. On today's show, we're talking about RSV, specifically the long search for a vaccine that can protect those who are most vulnerable to the virus, and maybe the rest of us as well. We'll hear from two scientists who spent their careers trying to solve the surprisingly difficult puzzle of how to develop a vaccine for RSV. And we'll hear how, in solving that puzzle, they may have also helped to create a powerful new way to develop vaccines for lots of diseases. But before we get to the story of the vaccine, I wanted to learn a little bit about RSV itself and the damage it can do. So I called up Karen Landman. She's an infectious disease doctor and an epidemiologist, and she also writes for Vox. So, so what happens uh, when a baby or an old person with a, with a weak immune system gets RSV? So the virus infects cells in the respiratory tract. And ideally what happens uh, when your body gets infected by a virus is that your body mounts what's called a cytotoxic response. It deploys various soldiers from its immune system to go and kill the cells that have gotten infected by this virus. That's a little bit different from some of the other things that the immune system does. Like cytotoxic responses really go in and murder. Like they they go in and explode the cell or they fully eat the cell. And it's a different part of the immune system. Okay. And why is that important? Well, because that section of the immune system is not developed yet in newborn babies, Uh and it's waning in older adults. Uh, 
So you have cells that are getting infected by viruses and that are dying right where they stand, sort of in the respiratory tract. And when we talk about the respiratory tract, this is a very complex kind of upside-down tree that runs all the way from the nose and mouth down to the very bottom of the lungs. And at the parts of the lungs that connect to your trachea, they're pretty narrow. So um, the narrower those tubes are, the easier it is to clog them when this debris accumulates. And babies' chest walls are weaker. They're bendy. They're not as good as adults' chest walls are at hacking up the stuff that's in there. So put all of this together, and you have a situation where you have uh, a lot of junk clogging up the airways in the lungs, making it difficult for air to move through the spaces that it normally would move through. Meaning it's hard to breathe, It's really hard to breathe in that situation. Absolutely. Obviously a very bad situation. What happens? How do you treat that person? So they wind up in the hospital. Um, Sometimes you'll see them first in the emergency room. And, you know, the sounds are, I won't say unmistakable, but the disease is so severe. And in the babies who have it, they make such awful sounds when they have these infections. And you'll see also, it's not just the sounds they make, it's the way they look. So you'll see their chests kind of cave in uh, with every breath they're trying to take as they're sucking hard on the air around them and failing to get enough in. So if we zoom out on a national or global scale, like, what is the impact quantitatively of RSV? We see around 60,000 hospitalizations in kids under five and around 120,000 hospitalizations in adults over 65 every year. Um, And we see anywhere between 100 and 300 deaths in kids Uh and around 14,000 deaths in adults every year. In in the U.S. alone? In the U.S. alone. And I understand that the infections, the RSV infections, come in waves. So when there is one of these waves, what's it like in the hospital? Oh, in the hospital? It's like beds in hallways. It's like not enough nurses and doctors to take care of the number of people they're seeing and not enough respiratory therapists to go around and get people on oxygen and get people intubated. I mean, that's... It's kind of amazing, right, that there is this huge problem within the hospital of so many people who basically can't breathe or need help to breathe because they're sick with RSV. I never knew that. Yeah, oh, RSV season is something that really in any medical profession, um, you learn to fear. Uh, You learn to fear the season because you know it's just going to be long days and longer nights of many, many very sick people coming to the hospital, you know, tons of babies with RSV, um, some really, really sick kids, and, and tons of really worried parents. It's a really tough time of year, and it always felt like there was no hope, you know, for vaccinating, for creating a vaccine. Until now. Until now. The story of how we got to the RSV vaccine starts in 1956. That was the year RSV was discovered. And as you may remember from last week's show, that was just a year after Jonas Salk's polio vaccine was approved to huge acclaim. And so naturally, a group of scientists started developing an RSV vaccine using the same technique that Salk had used for polio. The idea was to grow the virus, kill it, and inject it into patients. By the mid-1960s, scientists were ready to launch a clinical trial of their newly developed RSV vaccine, and they gave it to 31 children in Washington, D.C. I talked about this with Barney Graham. He's a virologist, and he started studying RSV at the National Institutes of Health in the 1980s. 
But that earlier work on RSV, that vaccine trial in the 1960s, it had a huge effect on Barney and really on the whole field. During that winter time of 66, 67, just after Christmas, there was a big RSV outbreak that occurred. And uh, of the 31 children who were immunized with this vaccine, about, I think, 20 were infected. But of those 20, 16 required hospitalization. Uh, Two of them died. So it was a really catastrophic failure of the vaccine. Just to just to be clear, so that, that study found that the vaccine, not only did it not protect children, it actually made, made them sicker. Yes. My first 20 years of research were really focused almost entirely on trying to understand this problem so we could get back to RSV vaccine development. So, so what happened with that 1960s vaccine trial? Why did it fail? So the the vaccine that was made in the 1960s, the way the vaccine was prepared, changed the proteins in a way that when that was used to immunize, it created antibodies that could bind the virus but did not block the virus or didn't prevent virus infection. And so Uh having a lot of antibody and a lot of virus together without preventing infection can sometimes lead uh, to problems. And in this instance, it did it did lead to problems. Yes, it did lead to problems. And then what was needed to make that vaccine work is having proteins that could make better antibody responses and not so many ineffective antibody responses. When Barney says proteins there, he's talking in particular about this one protein that sits on the outer surface of the virus. That protein is important because our immune system recognizes that protein and then creates matching antibodies to destroy the virus. The protein's called the F protein, or the F glycoprotein. F stands for fusion because it's the protein that the virus uses to fuse with the cell in the human body. And Barney and his colleagues knew they needed to crack the code of that F protein. What I knew about the F-protein on RSV was that it was a blob on a Western blot that just looked like a black ink spot. And you could tell what size it was, but you couldn't really see it. You couldn't really understand how it was folded and how it worked. If you want to make a vaccine, you really need to see the protein and how it interacts with the antibodies and the exact surface contours and the exact shape with that protein. So if you want to get a virus infection started, you have to figure out a way to get the virus genome inside that human cell in order for the virus to start growing. And the way the virus does that, it has this interesting protein on its surface that is able to transform. It it is able to unravel, reach out, grab the host cell or target cell membrane, and pull the membranes back together so the host cell and the virus membrane fuse. They merge. Uh Then the virus genome can enter the cell and start the replication process. I mean, that's the crucial bad thing that happens, right? That's the thing we don't want to happen. If you want to stop a virus infection, if you can stop that F protein from rearranging or or from attaching, then you've uh, got a good way of stopping the virus infection. 
What did you, what did scientists not know about that F-protein? Well, the main thing we didn't know is why it had not worked uh, as a vaccine. And what did you want to learn about the F-protein to try and solve that problem? Well, we really wanted to know what the F-protein looked like in its original Uh state. We wanted to know where the antibodies could bind F-protein and how what was the mechanism for neutralizing the virus. And to understand those things, we needed to know more about the structure of F, not just in its final rearranged state, but in its original state. Barney's making a really key point right here. That F protein on the surface of RSV, it exists in two different shapes. It has one shape when the virus is floating around in the body, searching for a cell to fuse with. Then, when the virus fuses with the cell, the F protein changes shape. So what our immune system needs are antibodies to that F protein when it's in its pre-fusion state, before it's fused with the cell in our body. But when Barney and his colleagues were studying the virus, they always saw the protein in the other shape, in the post-fusion shape. That problem went all the way back to that failed vaccine in the 1960s. And it was a problem Barney was still trying to solve in 2008. That's when Barney had a chance meeting with the scientist who would finally solve the puzzle that RSV researchers had been working on for decades. We'll hear that part of the story in just a minute. And now a word from GSK. RSV, or respiratory syncytial virus, can put older adults at risk, including those with certain underlying conditions. Fortunately, vaccination is available. Orexv, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine, adjuvanted is a vaccine used to prevent lower respiratory disease from RSV in people 60 years and older. Vaccination with Orexv is proven through a clinical study to be over 82% effective in preventing lower respiratory disease from RSV in adults 60 years and older and over 94% effective in those with asthma, diabetes, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, chronic heart failure, advanced liver or kidney disease, or any chronic respiratory or pulmonary disease. Orexv does not protect everyone and is not for those with severe allergic reactions to its ingredients. Those with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most common side effects are injection site pain, fatigue, muscle pain, headache, and joint pain. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist to see if Orexv is right for you and learn more by calling 888-OREXV-9 or by visiting orexv.com. That's A-R-E-X-V-Y dot com. RSV, make it Orexv. While Barney Graham was working away trying to solve the puzzle of how to create a vaccine for RSV, he met a guy named Jason McClellan, who, at the time, was a research fellow who worked just down the hall. I recently talked with Jason McClellan, and we started with the work he was doing when he met Barney. While Barney had been studying the proteins on the outside of RSV, Jason was studying the proteins on the outside of a different virus, HIV. This was back in 2008. And at the time, Jason told me, he was working in a field called structure-based vaccine design. It's really trying to turn vaccine development into a very rational engineering approach Uh that's guided by the human immune system. Uh That word engineering is good, right? You're like actually trying to build a thing in a certain shape. Yes, exactly. 
when you so you joined this lab working on this idea, this structure-based vaccine design for HIV. There's this idea, oh, we have these new tools. We could we could build vaccines in this new potentially better way. Mm-hmm. Um, had anybody done it yet? No, that that's really some of the the pioneering efforts for structure-based vaccine design and its application to to HIV. And it quickly became apparent that we're developing really cool approaches, but many of them aren't working. And it's unclear whether the approaches aren't good or the virus is just so difficult to make a vaccine for. Why don't we sort of apply this to maybe a more tractable virus so we could test some of these techniques? Um, And uh, I was on a different floor from the rest of the lab. I was actually on Barney Graham's floor. And Barney heard of this and he was like, you know, RSV would be perfect for applications of structure-based vaccine design. So uh, for the next, yeah, the rest of my time, next five years or so, I sort of split half my time working on HIV and half my time working on RSV. So this is a good guy for you to meet at this moment. This is a good, happy meeting in this science narrative. It's a very, it's a very fortuitous, happy meeting. It was like December 2008 when we had sort of formalized the plan uh, we decided to start working on, on RSV in structure-based design. At, at this moment when you decide to do this, what's the key thing you don't know? So we know that the F protein exists in two conformations. Two, uh, does that it, mean two shapes? Two shapes, yeah. Okay. So they had been, so it had been imaged by electron microscopy. Okay. Um, and, and it was clear that one form looked like these elongated golf tees, and the other was sort of more uh, oval lollipop shaped with like a little stalk. And so, okay it become appreciated that one of them was the pre-fusion confirmation. Okay. And then the other one is post-fusion. And so... So it's basically before it's attached to the cell, it, the, this protein has one shape, and after it's attached to the shell, it has another shape. Yeah. We were unable to make the pre-fusion state as a purified protein. So okay. if you just purify F, it sort of snaps into the post-fusion state, which is the lowest energy, most stable state. Uh-huh. And, and people had immunized with that, but it was insufficient to make a vaccine. Well, and that's that makes sense at some level, right? Because what you actually want to immunize against is the prefusion shape, right? The virus is floating around in our respiratory tract, and, and it's before it attaches to the cells, it's in the prefusion shape, right? What we really want is for our body to have antibodies to attack that. So if you're using the postfusion state, it's intuitive that, like, that's not going to work as well, right? Exactly. Our, our colleague, Jose Malero in Spain, what he showed was that most of the neutralizing antibodies did not bind post-fusion, uh, suggesting that the majority of the antibodies humans make in response to an RSV infection do not target post. And we have the problem that it's hard to isolate pre. We don't know exactly what it looks like. Like, this is the, yeah. this is the problem, right? Yeah, so we assumed that... Uh, from Jose's data, that there are antibodies that bind only to prefusion. So we thought that if we could isolate uh, some some antibodies like this, we could make F protein in the presence of these antibodies. Uh-huh. And when F transiently adopts prefusion, the antibody binds and locks it. Uh-huh. And then we'd be able to purify that complex. Uh-huh. That's very clever. So you're using the body's own response to the prefusion protein the antibodies, to basically make a trap for the prefusion protein. Exactly. In the lab, Jason runs an experiment to do just this. 
He takes an F protein in that pre-fusion shape, that lollipop shape, and then he binds the protein to an antibody. And once the F protein is bound to the antibody, the protein cannot change its shape. So now Jason has the F protein locked in place in the right shape, and he needs to see exactly what it looks like. To do that, he uses a technique called X-ray crystallography, which lets him see the shape of the protein in incredible detail. He can see the atomic level structure of this pre-fusion F protein. And Jason knew this was a very big deal. It was going to allow us to make pre-fusion F to use as a vaccine. Uh Aha, right. So so you can make the exact thing as it exists on the surface uh, of an RSV cell and put it into people's bodies in some fashion. and, And you'll have the perfect protein. You'll have the exact shape of the protein and the body will make these great antibodies and that body won't get sick with RSV if everything goes according to plan. Exactly, right? It's like, I don't know, we're, we're sculptors, and now we have the model of what we need to make the sculpture of. And it allows us to make ideal mimics of these proteins found on the surface of the virus. Amazing. Um, so at this, at this moment, do you feel like you've got it? Like you feel like, you know. Not yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. What what has to happen? Well, what this do you do one next? we're very excited. We have pre F. Yeah. Um, but we we have not been able to produce it in the absence of those antibodies that okay. trap it. Okay. Right. So that's the key. We have to modify the F protein such that when we express it in cells, uh-huh. in the absence of antibodies, it folds into pre F, stays in pre F, uh-huh. and allows us to immunize with it. Uh huh. So you have to kind of build a version of it from scratch now yep. that'll work in this very particular way that it has to work if you're going to make a vaccine. Yeah, right. I designed several substitutions that ended up working. Um, four of them in combination allowed the prefusion F protein to be expressed and purified. And This is more sculpting, right? You're literally like filling holes in the shape of the protein, right? Yeah, because the structure tells us, oh, there's some pockets and cavities here that are causing instability. So why don't we fill them? Uh, You're really building this physical thing in a particular yep. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very specifically. So we have we have like almost an atomic level mimic. Uh, and then the next step was to make those proteins and provide them to Barney Graham's lab. And so Barney then immunized mice. Uh, and then blood was drawn from the mice and they performed the neutralization assays. And, and then that was the exciting day. That's when, because Barney told me it's, he couldn't believe it. It was the highest neutralizing antibody titers he had ever seen in his decades of working on RSV. Meaning the best, right? I the mean, best, yeah. It elicited yeah. the strongest response. Yeah, and so at that point, we're like, we, we got it. Like, this, this is exactly what we were looking for, this proof of concept for structure-based vaccine design. So, so... Now, in 2023, uh, these RSV vaccines, based on your research, are, are coming out. They're, they're a thing in the world. And millions of people, presumably, are, are getting this vaccine, are about to get this vaccine. I mean, what's that like for you? Oh, it's amazing. I always wanted to try to, to have some impact, improve people's lives. And, you know, it's, you know, it's sort of a long shot to actually help make a vaccine, just given how few vaccines get approved. Uh, but to actually do it is, I mean, it's incredible. It's everything you could hope for. 
There is one more piece of the Jason and Barney story that's worth telling before we go. In 2012, there was an outbreak of a new disease in Saudi Arabia. The disease was caused by a coronavirus, and it was given the name MERS for Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. Jason and Barney went to work on that coronavirus using the engineering and structural biology techniques they'd honed in their work on RSV. They developed an incredibly detailed picture of the prefusion spike protein. They did that sculpting work to create a stable version of that protein. And they did preliminary work toward developing a vaccine. Then, in 2019, another new coronavirus emerged, the virus that causes COVID. This time, Jason and Barney were ready. The work they had done first on RSV, then on MERS, meant that just a few weeks after that new virus was discovered, they were able to create a stabilized version of that key spike protein in just the right shape. That work played a major role in designing the COVID-19 vaccines. The protein they created was one of the key reasons it was possible for the vaccines to be developed so quickly. Thanks to my guests today, Karen Landman, Barney Graham, and Jason McClellan. Next week on Incubation, the story of the Common Cold Unit, a place where tens of thousands of people went voluntarily for decades to catch a cold. You know, Britain, post-war, chimpanzees are not easy to come by to do this type of research. Um, so what's definitely the next best thing are human volunteers. So <laughs> human guinea pigs. Incubation is a co-production of Pushkin Industries and Ruby Studio at iHeartMedia. It's produced by Gabriel Hunter Chang, Ariella Markowitz, and Amy Gaines McQuaid. Our editors are Julia Barton and Karen Shakurji. Mastering by Anne Pope, fact-checking by Joseph Friedman. Our executive producers are Catherine Girardot and Matt Romano. I'm Jacob Goldstein. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from GSK. Orexvi, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine, adjuvanted, is a vaccine used to prevent lower respiratory disease from respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, in people 60 years and older. Vaccination with Orexvi is proven through a clinical study to be over 82% effective in preventing lower respiratory disease from RSV in adults 60 years and older. Orexvi does not protect everyone and is not for those with severe allergic reactions to its ingredients. Those with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most common side effects are injection site pain, fatigue, muscle pain, headache, and joint pain. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist to see if Orexvi is right for you and learn more by calling 888-OREXV-9 or by visiting orexvi.com. That's A-R-E-X-V-Y dot com. RSV? Make it Orexvi.